0: I'm all, the way up. I'm all the way up. all
1: the way up. all the way up. The
0: way up. The way up. The way up. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. Welcome to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. Nothing can stop us. Not Hurricane Ida. Not job promotions.
1: <laughs> nothing. What's up, Rob? The Blitz is alive and well, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> we back. We back the house. The house didn't crumble, you know. I think my property value went up after withstanding a hurricane <laughs> category four. And let me tell you what else property value went up. Ja Rule last night at the versus because <laughs> he took Joe, Fat Joe out, and uh the New Orleans Saints stock on the rise.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We gonna we gonna talk heavy Saints today. I don't give a damn what people want to hear about. We <laughs> talking about the Saints. <laughs>
1: Listen, you know I'm a big Jameis Winston fan, so like watching that game, it was a dream come true. The only regret in my heart is that I didn't get on the road from Miami and drive the five hours up to Jacksonville uh, to see my boy Jay Boo in his first start uh, with the New Orleans Saints, the the, the Jameis Winston era. I was there for the beginning of the Aaron Brooks era, uh, first game in the Superdome. Jeff Blake goes down. Aaron Brooks comes in for the Oakland. Uh, against I remember the Oakland that game. Raiders. Yep. Yeah, we were all there. And I was going to be there for the beginning of the Jameis Winston era. And uh, I just punked out. I'm not even going to lie. I was scared of the the uh, Green Bay Packers after what they did to us in the Dome last year. And I should have had more faith. I can't believe you let Brad talk you out of it. <laughs> <It's> a couple <laughs> people talked me out of it. I'm not even going to front. Oh, uh, one of my friends here who uh, i know from lafayette louisiana he moved out here he talked me out of it too i think we, he might take me to the Dolphins. he has season tickets to the dolphins so he might take me to the dolphins bills game uh on account of the fact that he was a, a strong advocate for me not jumping on the road and driving 10 hours round trip uh to go see what he he characterizes uh soon to be as with you
0: you wanted to get talked out of it if you <laughs> wanted to go you would have just went and t- took a picture and sent it to us from from that's <laughs>
1: You want to talk about out but well, it, was a Sunday. You know you got work, work Monday
0: morning. So. But but listen, saying all that, we kind of predicted this, right? We had uh, we had our boy uh, James, James, James one on on. You know, it, it, back mm-hmm. in January, February, I believe. Like we we were big advocates for Jameis. We we both talked about the the lack of a QB battle. It was no battle. Jameis was by far the best. So in saying all of that, were you surprised by Jameis' first
1: start? it wasn't really James that surprised me to be quite honest with you was the defense and, and mostly it was the defensive front because, you know, as we talked about, um, you know, off the pod a number of times, just in our group chats and stuff like the loss of Sheldon Rankins, Trey Hendrickson, Malcolm Brown. I mean, that's a lot of depth on the defensive line to lose. And then on your model was suspended. So right. you are talking about like four guys who gave you starter quality minutes over the last two to three years, um, all being gone. I did not expect them to get after um, uh, Aaron Rodgers like that. I get that there are, like, two rookies on the offensive line. David Bakhtiari was out for the Packers. But you still just got to give a ton of credit uh, for the way they got a, uh, got after the quarterback. And then, you know, Quan Alexander, I know that he played well last year, but we couldn't assume that he was going to come out and still move around and play on the same level that he did when he exited the game late in the season last year with a torn Achilles. I would say he tore his Achilles like in December. And then, uh, what, what Janoris Jenkins, right? Like, the loss of Janoris Jenkins, you, you throw out, you know, Paulson McDebo. You just couldn't have thought that, that that's how all of that was going to play out. So many different changes, you know, in the
0: roster. I sure did. I got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in fantasy, and I
1: got blown out because them two dudes didn't show up. Aaron Jones completely. We completely yeah. shut the run game down for four quarters. That's, and I, mean, I think that's what surprised me the most. I mean, Jameis had 150 yards, five touchdowns, but, you know, he didn't have to. I mean, he was given a lot of short fields. He didn't have to yeah. throw the ball long.
0: Yeah, we ran the ball. I, You know, we've done, we, we did, Peyton called the game we've been asking for for the last three years with Drew Brees, yeah. and that's commit that's, to the
1: run. It's kind of upsetting because now you yes. finally have a quarterback <laughs> right. and now you decide like to, to commit. commit to the rock. And I don't have a problem with it, right, because now you can get the play action a lot over the top. It's going to make it easier for Jameis. But you should have been doing that for your aging quarterback whose arm was, was faltering.
0: So in saying that, right, we, we, we broke down some of the game. Do you think the Saints are legitimate NFC contenders?
1: I think they're legitimate NFC contenders just because of the – I mean, I don't want to say the lack, but, you know, the NFC to me is, is relatively wide open. You know, people are crowning the um, Buccaneers before the season even starts. But you kind of have to just remember we beat him twice last year. Probably should have beat him in the dome if Drew Brees wouldn't have just completely fallen apart. And, and Jared Cook NFC. didn't fumble. And Jared Cook didn't fumble. And then you got to remember that they went up there to Green Bay and got a favorable call, had a poor coaching decision. I mean, those dudes weren't invincible i think that the issue um a lot of people just think oh well they'll be even better because of the continuity because of the full offseason right but like nobody's really counting on the fact that there were a lot of times that brady didn't look so great last year and he's he got a year older right like i think a lot of people just say oh well they won the super bowl brady's amazing but think about the super bowl like it wasn't all about tom brady it was about injuries on the chiefs offensive line and their refusal to run the football the defense's ability to get after the quarterback the secondary has been suspect but it's the pass rush that covers for the secondary as we saw this past week they gave up like 400 yards passing the deck they're susceptible to to, um a a dangerous passing attack so right i i don't just throw them out there far and away is better than everybody you know in the nfc or nfl for that matter and with that being said that means to me that we have a chance in that division. Yeah. right?
0: And I mean, I'm just never afraid of a division team, like because we see them too much. Like right. you said, we beat them twice with with an agent, Drew Brees who couldn't throw the ball deep. So I don't fear the Bucks. I think we can. And I think we can split it really yeah. with them.
1: And let's face it, you just probably beat the best team in the NFC North. The NFC East is a perennial joke for the most part, right? Um, and so you're really talking about the West and the South being, you know, the the. NFC's strongest uh, divisions.
0: Yeah, and I mean, all those teams have holes, right? Like, Seattle's defense is suspect. Um, you know, Kyler Murray showed up game one, but, you know, week one is always a toss-up, because just teams have all summer to prepare. You just don't know. Sometimes week one isn't indicative of the rest of the season. Right. So, Green Bay is not as bad as they look. Arizona might not be as good as they look, so. I'm uh I'm interested to see what happens. What about Aaron? Like you think, you think,
1: man, he looked disinterested. That's all I can really say about it. I mean, he looked like he wishes he to take gotten that jeopardy job and, and been able to retire from football. Listen, he, he married an actress, you know, they were gallivanting all summer no real off season workouts. They were up in the mountains and you know, he grew his, he's, he wears his man ponytail now with his mountain beard. He just looks like a guy who's, like slowly moving on to the next stage of his life when the pressure got after him in the game he just looked a little less interested of, at evading the pressure and making those iconic throws that we're so used to it just kind of looked a little bit more like settled into like and and here's what i think i said in the chat too the, the fact of the matter is i think that if you're aaron Rodgers, you're looking around over the last couple of years where you had an nfc ch- championship caliber team They haven't made additions to the offensive line, significant additions. They haven't made significant free agent additions at any of the receiver positions. And Jordan Love was a first-round pick. He's still the backup quarterback, right? So you're looking around. Now I'm stuck with two rookie offensive linemen due to injury because you haven't upgraded. Like, think about what the Buccaneers did for Tom Brady in one year. Some of that has to do with people wanting to play with Brady. But at the same time, like, Rodgers is younger with a better arm. How could you not? be able to attract free agents to that team Um, and so at a certain point i hate to say it but it's like you collected a check because you're like well you didn't really make the strides necessary to allow me to compete with the tampa bay buccaneers or at this point obviously even the saints so i'm here i'm gonna get this check but i'm not about to break my neck for y'all because you haven't done anything to you know better this franchise in the long term yeah, he looked like he don't give a shit.
0: I mean, even his press conference when, when a coach came out, Lafleur said like the it, the game was embarrassing. He was like, "Well, I wouldn't use those words." And he's just like <laughs> he just like going out of the speed to be a
1: dick, right. you know? Like I'm <clears throat> not embarrassed by it. Like they should be embarrassed for all right. season acquisitions. But I mean, you got to figure from his perspective. Like if Randall Cobb is the best off season acquisition, did he even have a target in the game? Like I didn't re- I didn't realize Randall Cobb was out there to the third quarter. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's finished.
1: Right, like it's a joke that that's who you went and got, and or like be happy with this. Like, right,
0: he's finished, man. But uh, all right, look, what's some of your biggest week one surprises?
1: Uh, well, I don't want to give away my uh, some of my winners and losers, so I'll work around that. You know, we we the, the Pittsburgh game, we were texting a lot about that. Yeah, um, during the game, I, I'm not ready to say that. You know, Pittsburgh did this last year, started 11 and 0. I'm not ready to say like, oh, Pittsburgh is is new and improved. I was impressed Najee Harris came out there took every snap at running back I did like what I saw there but they were the beneficiary of a, a special team score like there was some stuff that happened in that game um I did like what I saw from them defensively but yeah. um that was a surprise to me um the Raiders uh <laughs> Ravens game was crazy I, I passed out man I yeah. passed out at like 24 24 I fell asleep but yep. like, well, I fell asleep at 2417 and woke up to see Darren Wallace scoring that game time touchdown. I missed overtime. But you know, that was that one surprised me. You know, everybody gives Chucky John Gruden a lot of credit, but I didn't see him coming out week one beating a potential Super Bowl contender. Um, so so that one surprised me. So those are those are two big ones for me.
0: Yeah, I, I think you gotta worry about, you know, there's a lot of talk about his elite figured out Lamar Jackson. And uh he just didn't look good that game. Two fumbles, mm-hmm. big fumbles, like they they rely on him, especially with you know what, three running backs got hurt in a uh, training camp. Uh, mm-hmm. that's out for the year. They have to pick up Latavius Murray, they got Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell on the practice squad. So, they relying a lot on uh, uh, they're relying a lot on uh, you know, Lamar Jackson to step up. And I, I just don't know if he can carry him the way they need to, him to carry him, especially given it, the, the injury where they've had so. That was definitely a surprise. I just knew they were gonna beat the Raiders, you know, Week One. Uh, back to the Pittsburgh game though, Big Ben. I don't know if he can sustain the whole year. That defense is legit. They uh, they stepped up. They had some big stops. The opening kickoff, Buffalo took it down to Pittsburgh's like twenty yard line. Had all the momentum with the crowd backing them up, ready to explode. And Pittsburgh held them to three and out. So like that defense really got stout. They had Pittsburgh did score a point at half, you know, by halftime. So for that, for that defense to, to, you know, stay pat, stand strong and uh, keep the offense in the game until they could get some turnovers, flip the field position, that, that was huge. Um, so that was, that was two of my, my bigger surprises. I think my third surprise was the emergence of Kyler Murray. I got this guy at fantasy two years ago and he just didn't, Evolved like i thought he was going to evolve uh he started out you know slow looked like he still was adjusted to the nfl the speed of the game but he came out blazing this game he had four touchdown passes one rushing touchdown uh kyle murray put on a show against a, a pretty good tennessee team i think at least a tennessee team that a lot of people expected to uh i think with a division at this point did a the favorite when you look at jacksonville houston and uh and indianapolis like all three of those teams look like they're gonna be bottom feeders so for, for arizona to dominate tennessee the way they did on the road i thought that was i thought that was huge
1: yeah ever since the uh titans beat the uh patriots a couple years back i think everybody thought you know yeah we're gonna take the next step so taking that next step and you go get Julio Jones in the off season. I think everybody thought, you know, they'd arrived, And I think everybody kind of thought Arizona is going to be one of those teams that's fun to watch, but, you know, not necessarily uh, an actual contender. Right. Right. I mean, but realistically speaking, they're similarly situated. They're a team that can just take the next step. They went and added AJ Green in the off season. I mean, they have so many weapons on offense, um, I just think that you know colin murray is considered still sporadic at this point but we'll see um, right i th- the bigger surprise was the their ability to get after um chandler jones yeah chandler jones five sacks yeah he he just basically dominated uh lawan and who was like an all pro tackle right and Tannehill, you know looks real pedestrian and so you know that's something we've talked about for a long time it's yes like, like the numbers nobody in their right mind really believed that Tannehill hill is like an elite quarterback right like he's a beneficiary of an offense that you know like the saints did this past week run first a right. lot of play action and if you if your line is solid and you do that correctly um you can be super successful but i think the reality is when you find yourself in a track meet with an offense that's putting up points now you get exposed right yeah um, and so I think that's where he's always going to struggle is when he's in an actual situation, you know, when you, you went and spent money on another receiver. Now there's an expectation that he actually right. throws the ball right. uh, around the yard and, and gets a lot of yards. So I think now this is, we're going to see a different scenario. Also, now you're trying to pass more. Somebody like Lawan who might be an all pro. Yeah. Cause you got a 2000 yard rush in the backfield, right. but now when all of a sudden you're being asked to block for, you know, almost 40 passes a game that's a that's a different looking offense
0: yeah I mean I think that last year was an outlier and people try to make uh you know a lot of Tannehill struggles due to Adam Gase's ineffectiveness as a head coach but Tannehill was average for six years in Miami it, that was before Adam Gates got there as well as when Adam Gates was there and this, his great year Tannehill's great year was last year when Henry rushed for <laughs> two thousand yards so uh You know, like anybody, any quarterback can be effective with a two thousand yard rusher. So I I say, like you, I think this might be the year he he kind of comes back to the pack and and is that quarterback we saw in Miami. But the the last
1: Dilfer in the the Ravens in the Super Bowl that was Jamal Lewis's two thousand yard rusher. I mean, if
0: it wasn't the same year,
1: it was around that time. Right,
0: right. Right. He was a fifty plus hundred yard, you know, back. Right. the last surprise for week one what I want to talk about is a is a guy you know pretty well in, in terms of seeing him the field, Elijah Mitchell. Uh, the might be the rab Yeah. Stole,
1: you stole him from me in fantasy.
0: <laughs> I had to bid high for $19,
1: man. I drafted Raheem Mostert in both of my leagues, and he's out for the season. Just talking got about the disappointment. two snaps. Two snaps. I just was so – he had 10 yards on each carry, too. Um, But some guys, man, you just – you got to blame yourself because it's like when you look back at the history – you know they get hurt every year it's just you don't expect it to be snap number three or two in game one you know right um but Elijah Mitchell came out did his thing you know I'm not sure if that had more to do with the competition or if this is gonna be a regular thing that we see from him um the young man went to to erath high school I I ref one of his games back then and I I think I remember hitting you guys up then back then I mean he was one of those people like kind of like a Leonard Fournette style where he was probably the same size as he is now in high school Uh right? And so he probably was about 5'10", 200, 205. I mean, he's probably only like 215 right now. So watching him compete against other high school kids, you know, he had that same level of strength. And I was actually surprised at UL, University of Louisiana Lafayette, he didn't stand out more, Um, you know, as a team that was winning. But, you know, they ran – they used a lot of running backs in that office. The quarterback also ran the ball. So, you know, you didn't really get to see that star shine in the same way. But when he started to go off this past Sunday, I was not totally surprised. Um, cause that potential has been there. And I honestly I thought he was a kid that would have ended up at LSU, but you know, everybody in Lafayette was glad that he stayed home.
0: So. Right, right. And you know, it's all about scheme in the NFL too. And and Shanahan is known to produce uh <clears throat> high yardage backs. He he was a uh, offense coordinator when Aria Foster had a breakout campaign. He was offense coordinator in Washington with uh, Alfred Morris, who was like a six-round draft pick, had like 1500 yard season. So he's known to put out, you know, backs who can uh Producing his offense so this might be Elijah Mitchell's chance to shot uh,
1: I mean I would have looked forward to it if you hadn't stolen from me in fantasy <laughs> now now I feel conflicted about cheering for him because it means that you win games oh yeah oh, yeah I'm, I'm a starter for sure and we we do compete uh in the in one of our leagues this uh this week so oh uh, my squad tight that league I'm, I'm mm-hmm. uh biggest question marks after week one what, what you got I got a few. Biggest question marks after week one. I mean, obviously I think there's the you know the the Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers one. Is he yeah. done? Is he finished? Like if this, if if they're like even a, a marginal like nine and eight, I could easily see him retiring. Um yeah. so I think that's that's uh one question mark. Um are you know the Cardinals for real? I think that's a, another question, Mark, um, I think not to jump ahead in topics, but, uh, I gave Dan, Danny Jones, Daniel Jones, the, the Danny Dimes nickname and much (laughs) like T I snatched the chain off the girl's neck in that movie. I'm taking it back. (laughs) Danny Dimes, like he's doesn't deserve a nickname anymore. The Danny Dimes era is over. The giants need to clean house, start over. That's my, you know, Way too hot take for week one. The the Giants are finished. That shit ain't um,
0: hot. I told you that shit a year and a half ago. <laughs>
1: goddamn hot take. Um the the Patriots, I didn't understand for the life of me why everybody was predicting them to be the winner of that division. Um and, and, and yeah. from what we saw, they're probably gonna be the third best team. They're probably only gonna be better than the Jets. I mean, they lost to the Dolphins. And, you know, the Dolphins, I would say, are more on an upward trajectory. They have a solid defense. And, you know, two is getting better week in, week out. I think that, you know, you're going to have Bills, Dolphins, Patriots going to be out of the playoffs again yeah. uh, there. So those, those are kind of some of our early takes.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think, like, to me, the, the biggest question mark is the NFC East because I think that's the division nobody has any expectations. I think a lot of people favor Dallas. But with Dak having those, you know, all struggles at training camp, uh, it was good to see so. I think one question is, you know, how, how legit is Dallas? Like, they they came out balls to the wall. They couldn't finish it, but they, they gave Tampa Bay everything they wanted and almost pulled that upset in Tampa Bay or open the weekend. Uh, like you said, Danny Dimes, is that experiment over? I think it's time for the Giants to move on. And then Jalen Hurts. Nobody had any expectations to the point where even Philadelphia, uh, you wonder if they were really sold on them because they traded for Gardner Minshew uh, late in training camp. So, Jalen Hurts came out and, and destroyed Atlanta, beat up 34-6. So an interesting
1: stat today, Jalen Hurts with two 300-yard passing games has more 300-yard passing games than uh, Lamar Jackson, who has won on his career, what I believe uh, is at 38 starts now. Yeah. That,
0: that's what I'm saying. And, like, anybody who follow college football, like, Jalen Hurts is a winner. Like, right. you might not like the way he get it done, but he gets it done and uh the Eagles look good. However, like you got to put. Particular- they have a solid defense. They do have a solid defense, but you got to take it grain of salt against the Falcons. Man, that team—they just—they can't get it together. That's game.
1: a franchise in a tailspin. If I ever seen one, yeah, I don't think they have a an idea of what they're doing. And we talked about when they hired a coach from Tennessee, right? Like, and and speaking of which, right? Like maybe that's why Tennessee's office didn't look great this week. But, um, you know, with their offensive coordinator now being the head coach, as Arthur Smith or something, I think it's the name. Yeah, that's a but story. um but just that was an annihilation that that, that falcons team is just uh man i'm they not kicked, gonna complain because we get to play them twice a year and you know that's kicked, our rival so we can talk trash all we want they kicked two field goals on the open the first two
0: drives it never sniffed a point after that i mean they couldn't even get first down like that speaking
1: offense. of uh aaron Rodgers retiring at what point does matt ryan say this isn't worth it like for me to just play for a team that is in no position to win anything and how long
0: before the Atlanta ships him off? Like they right. drafted a tight end, Kyle Pitts, with the fourth pick, passing up on Justin Fields, uh, Mac Jones. You know,
1: so so like they that, that tells me that you are so far off. You think you still have like a winnable situation, exactly. and you're just a couple of pieces away, which right. tells me you are clueless. Cordell Patterson led them in rushing this past week with 54 yards, like,
0: a wide receiver turn running back, right. He's that's number 84. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh last day before we get out uh, off the nfl uh we, we're gonna start a new little segment called the fantasy Starter of the week prediction uh who you got this week
1: i'm going with justin herbert uh they play the cowboys cowboys gave up what 400 yards to tom brady <laughs> uh four touchdowns they had two picks but i think one of them was at the end of the half yeah it was a hillary yeah. one of them was kind of just an ill-advised pass by brady and no, then, no, uh, it
0: was a drop by Fournette. Shit hit him right in the head.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the one I'm thinking of. I knew Fournette was involved. Knew somebody from LSU was involved. Say say. Um yeah. he, he got him back, though, later. He went up in, in sky for a pass, like a ill-advised pass by Brady that he yes. did catch and got yeah. a first down. He off, I I yeah, there. he did. And um, Demarcus Lawrence went down today and practice, broke a I bone in his that. foot. I think he's out for eight weeks. So, you know, that's the, the key to the defensive line. You take that away, I think they're gonna be even more susceptible to the pass. Um, Dallas' secondary had not been anything to write home about, you know, over the last couple of years. So, I, and and the Chargers didn't play great this past week. I think they, you know, look to reestablish themselves this week coming, and they they take it out on that uh, Dallas, that Dallas defense, which you know, be interesting because Dallas could end up, even though they're the NFC East favorite, starting off on two. Yeah. Definitely, But I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing a, a Chargers victory. I'm just saying that I think that Herbert's going to have a good game. Yeah, I got you.
0: Uh, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. After that horrible performance, there's nothing better than play the Detroit Lions after having a bad game on Monday night football. Uh, they go home to Lambeau Field. I think Rodgers throws four touchdowns. I, I think I'm hoping that, too, because I got it in fantasy. So, uh,
1: Similarly, something. injury situation there, too. Jeff Okuda, the that yes. was their number one pick Corner right man. last yeah. year a year um, ago yeah. year ago, right uh went down in the game crazy I, in the game like at the beginning he was fighting with uh one of his coaches but you know he ended up i can't even remember what the injury is but he's out for a season so uh they looked terrible the lions did and then you take away their last number one pick in the secondary and it's probably not going to get any better
0: <laughs> not at all uh like i said no no remedy like the detroit lions uh Let's go to the NCAA college football. we big football fans. Uh, USC made something noise by firing their head coach, Clay Helton, after a week two loss. They won week one, and then they lost week two, and they, they got him out of there. So I guess that tells you that they, they've been ready to get rid of him, and they were just looking for an excuse. But uh, there's a lot of talk about how good is that USC job. Um, you know, I think they'll go interim coach for the rest of the season, but I guess they put everybody on notice. You know, there's starting to be rumors about Urban Meyer, uh, Bob Stoops, uh, Chris Peterson, former Boise State Washington head coach. So it's, you know, it's, it's still a considered a top tier job, but I, I had a question for you. Uh, the Athletic did a top 10 college football jobs. So I'm gonna give you this and then I want you to tell me if you, if you believe USC is still a top 10 job. What is Bama, two Ohio State, three Georgia, four Texas, 5, LSU. 6, USC. 7, Clemson. 8, Oklahoma. 9, Notre Dame. And 10, Florida.
1: I'm not. That list to me is foolish. Like, all of that stuff (laughs) is changing. Like, the landscape Uh, of college football is changing. The idea that we put Clemson in there now, all of that is a function of things that have happened with Dabo over, like, the last five to seven years. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a can't-miss job. There's no history with Clemson. The history is in the short-term with this one coach, if he leaves, that shit might go out the door with him. You know what right. I'm saying? So I don't put them in that category. Florida, eh, Florida's been all right over the last couple of years. They just been competitive, but they haven't. They haven't they hired a lot like,
0: of coaches in the last fifteen years.
1: Yeah, and haven't played in uh, the college football playoff. Right. And, you know, I mean, they haven't been relevant really since Tim Tebow. Right. Um, in that on the national championship stage. You know, honestly, when you're talking about historic programs that are still reigning supreme, it's, to me, a shorter list of BAM and Ohio State, right? Like, you know, LSU is showing some real, um, you know, chinks in the armor right now. Clemson, like I said, I don't put them in the historic programs. Um, And so that's why I kind of go up and down that list. USC ain't been good in a minute, you know what I mean? USC, to me, is in danger of hitting that Florida State category of uh, you keep firing these coaches and all of a sudden. It's not a destination job anymore. Right. Wow. And I think what a lot of people are struggling with is like the t- idea of a historic program, the idea of the historic program really doesn't mean much unless at this point in time, you're willing to also invest the money. Right. right. And So if you think that you and this is what everybody said about Florida State was with, after Bobby Bowden left. And I think the same goes true for. Uh, USC after Pete Carroll left like you think that because of what you did people should want to be here but people want to go where the money is invested right look we were watching title town on on uh Netflix and on the high school level he's basically like if the money don't show up like only right. so much I can do right. you know what I mean and that's just the nature of sport right now in general if the dollar bills aren't there your program is losing to somebody else who's willing to spend the money and I think that's the truth about college football. So the idea of like the historic programs to me it's just programs that a have history, but b are still willing to spend the money to compete on the level necessary to 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 be at the highest levels right now in college football.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, the thing about USC too is with two NFL franchises now back in LA, mm-hmm. like there's just with so a new stadium, much, with a brand new stadium, there's just so much going to LA. I don't think the fan base. I mean, it's good when you're winning, but I don't think it's like a, a like a, a rabid fan base
1: in USC. In no, you have to ask yourself, like same thing people ask themselves in Miami, like, all right, the school is in Coral Gables, the stadium's further up right. north where they play, there's Dolphins games on Sundays, there's Marlins games, there's all stuff, and it's, Atlanta's kind of the same way, with Georgia Tech and, and stuff yeah. like that. You know, a lot of your major college programs and usc still has ucla in their area with a better coach in Chip kelly um who's been known to do more with less right um so they got a whole host of issues just uh, outside of the fact that there's just massive amounts of entertainment like same thing in miami right like on a saturday you might wake up and decide you want to go to the beach if the team ain't that good like do i really want to go drive to a stadium tailgate do all this stuff when the weather is always nice. I could hike. I could go to the beach. I could do all the things that you can do in a city like LA. It's totally different from Baton Rouge and Athens and Gainesville and you know Tuscaloosa right. and Tallahassee. Places. Yeah, well, where that it's is like, the event. That's what you do on Saturdays.
0: Exactly. Right? You know. So yeah, I I can't even tell you. Like I didn't even know who Clay Helton was when he got the job. Mm-hmm. Like when you get to that point as a school, like a, a university, a blue blood, like that's. I think you're starting to, you know. But
1: also, up. like, even when you look at this list of coaches that they're saying might be, you know, next yeah. up, there's not like college football. And because this is the same thing when Florida State was looking to hire somebody, there's not a ton of names right. with a bunch of history behind them just out there sitting around waiting for a job. You know what I mean? Bob Stoops keeps coming up on the list. James Franklin comes up on everybody's list. But like, what has Penn State won? You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Like, he's been on the verge, quote unquote, of turning them around for a number but of years. But he still hasn't but. won the big 10, oh, well, he, I think he won right. the worst, yeah. And and But on, as an aside, and Chris Peterson too, like, what is Washington on? Right. You know what I mean? But every year we hear about him for a big job and he stays out there probably because he knows he's never going to get fired out there. If he goes right. to one of these other schools and doesn't produce on that level quickly, he's gone. Yeah. Um, Mario Cristobal, listen, I mean, hats off to him for, for beating Ohio State this past week, but, you know, Nike runs Oregon, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that that's what keeps that machine rolling. So I'd be hesitant to just uh, to, you know, think that that he is the, you know, what's fully behind that machine. Um, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But how interesting is it that Urban Meyer's name is in there already? He's week one in the NFL. I mean, that pretty much means everybody's gambling on, the fact that he's going to fail miserably and want to get out of there after year one. He should want to get out because he looks lost already. And there's a lot of rumors about, you know, just – The team not – Yeah, not taking – not responding well to the way – You know, we've talked on previous podcasts, I think, about, like, how he's known to talk to players and berate players and doesn't deal well with losing. And they said he's kind of been the same way in the NFL, even at the preseason games, like, not willing to accept loss.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if if saving – couldn't do it at a high clip. I don't expect any successful like college coach, you know, like I, I would put Irvin by probably like a notch below Saban. Mm-hmm. And I think Saban was about as prepared and had like the pedigree having been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Like for him to struggle with the the relationship with players and and like the you know, just his his attitude towards players and not giving that respect. I I had no doubts. Everybody was struggling.
1: I One of the biggest him. jokes to me is how every time they interview Saban about his time in Miami, he basically says he wanted Drew Brees. They wouldn't clear him medically, and so he got got stuck with Dante Culpepper. And if Drew Brees would have come to the Dolphins, his whole NFL career would have been different. I think that's laughable. Yeah. I think Drew Brees, the pairing with Sean Payton, is is what created that scenario. If he'd have right. gone to the Dolphins and run some base pro-style offense where he just had to throw deep outs and, you know.
0: And play I mean, not to lose.
1: Yeah, like he would have probably looked a lot like he did in San Diego with the Chargers, you know, where he was throwing like 25 touchdowns and like 12, 13 inceptions.
0: No, I agree. I agree. I, I think, you know, it just wasn't meant it's to be. an easy
1: way for Saban to tell the story, though.
0: And, and you talked a little bit about this, uh, just how the landscape of college football has changed, right? So we saw Oregon beat Ohio State. We saw UCLA beat LSU. Uh, We saw Arkansas beat Texas, like blew Texas out. Um, And and to be honest, UCLA dominated LSU for the most part of that game. Uh, The landscape seems to be changing. And I don't know, what's your thoughts on, is it just due to COVID? You got teams that's got super seniors and uh, you think it's parity across the The transfer
1: rules, I think, are creating a lot of parity. Um, You know, even like just watching a lot of the games, teams can rebuild and fill holes a lot quicker. And I think it makes teams feel like, oh, I can bounce back faster. But also the reality is a team can fill a position really quickly. Right. So a Saban basically can go out and get whoever he needs to fill the spot of somebody who left and graduated. So while other schools can poach from the bottom of an Alabama roster, you're seeing guys from UGA and, you know, Ohio state and all these other schools who are four and five star recruits pop up at, or Clemson for that matter, pop up at other top level schools because that school has an opening at the position they play. Um, And so I think that, you know, you're seeing top level schools be able to use it, but then you're also seeing, other random schools, like, for example, in Oregon, like, they can go get some of the best players through the transfer portal that maybe they struggled recruiting, and they can sell them on playing time, right. you know, where the kid might have been sold on a school based on a chance to get a national championship. He gets there, realizes he's never going to play, and now all of a sudden, there's all these other schools around the country that he can go to. I think that's part of it. Think back to my previous point. I think coaching, good coaching in college football is that premium there's just not a lot of it like I made fun of coach oh a lot and called him uh a mascot right and said that he was a function of the coordinators that he had at the time he won the national championship. I think we're starting to see that's true, you know. Um I just think that you know even the success we had seen at Ohio State like a lot of that was the players still being there from the prior administration, right? And so everybody's, oh, Ryan Day is this, Ryan Day is that. Ryan Day was still playing with, you know, Urban Meyer's players, and those right. recruits were far and away better than most of the other players on teams all across the country. I don't think Urban Meyer loses to Oregon, though. Right. Um, at home. So, you know, I think we're, we're seeing a, a number of different things, but I, I think, the, you know, coaching and transfer portal are two big parts of it.
0: And, you know, that coaching is interesting, too, because I was having this conversation about, you know, there's a – always in the hot seat at LSU and, and hmm. to be honest I don't think he makes it out after this year but my question to them was who do you get like right right like outside of poaching
1: what's the quote unquote coach. hot list
0: yeah like because you, you can't hire Clemson's coach you can't hire Alabama or Ohio State you know like the top 10 jobs you're not gonna hire that coach away because it's the, hmm. you're basically on the same level right so at that point it's like who's the next guy in line or who's the hot coordinator and
1: really there's nobody that like it gets you excited right like i saw on the usc list joe moorhead i think he's the coordinator at oregon but like i think he's that there's not the the state. right yeah i think there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh they're just not doing a great job of eyeing talent and and finding the next best big not a lot of sexy coaches. but i think Part of it is because there's so much more turnover now than there was before. So realistically, you're going to miss a lot more because you're firing so many people. There's so many jobs. It's not like the NFL where there's 32. There's over 100 jobs. And you're firing people every three years and these massive buyouts. And at a certain point, you are going to run out of names, right? And you're just like shooting in the dark, hoping you hit. I mean, let's think of like, when's the last time that somebody hit on... A coach and we're just like oh damn that was a great high this dude all of a sudden is awesome right right i mean chip kelly is taking him time to have some any success up at ucla um it's and no right You know, and notre dame you know he's been there for a while oh right? yeah right yeah uh and i mean he probably has maxed out with that program if yeah. were, we're being realistic right, right? You can't win a national championship yeah um It took Dabo a while, like under current circumstances, Dabo probably doing what he did to get to where he is now would be fired before he ever got there. Right. Um, And so I think that that's part of it. Like what Dabo built wasn't about his coaching ability. It was about, you know, creating an entire program, getting the buy-in, getting the money, building great facilities, somehow convincing two, two great coordinators to continue to come back every year and not pursue head coaching jobs. I know? was
0: gonna say I don't think coach O's playbook differs that much from Dabo. I think Dabo's success has been he's kept his coordinators for some reason. They Tony
1: Elliott like and Venables just have yeah. not left. You know? yeah. And that's where O has struggled. Like he couldn't keep the guys who helped him win. So I think age may have something to do with that. I think that Coach O had younger coordinators a random yeah, and true. Radius, true. He still yeah. had a lot more uh, yeah, it
0: was seventy. It was seventy, right. definitely. Uh, now we about to get back to our, our winners and losers. Uh, But before we do that, they, they had a, a big topic that we discussed with some friends, and we hadn't been on in a while. But I, I just want to revisit mm-hmm. Shakari
1: Washington,
0: mm-hmm. uh, defender, defend your girl. She came in last place. Got smoked. She got well, smoked. She got. Yeah, she did. I'm not gonna lie. She got <laughs> smoked. She, she looked like she she had no business being there. She she looked uh disinterested. She looked like Aaron Rodgers, frankly, <laughs> on the football or, or the track. She looked like Aaron Rodgers on the track. What
1: Tupac said, looking like Larry Holmes, flabby being sick. <laughs> that girl was so out of shape. Yeah, it looked like she ain't uh. <laughs> looked like she put on a. Co- I mean, I'm not you know trying to insult her physically. Obviously, she's in better shape than me. She smoked me if we ever raced. But like for what she's trying to do for the trash yeah. that she talked. It's like, come on, man, you got to show up in the best shape of your life talking all that trash. And if you knew you just took the last couple of months off and didn't train, maybe you either sit the race out or you definitely don't talk trash before the race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, though. I I do like the fact I'm the kind of person like, listen, if you're going to talk trash, you got to You got to If you're a trash talker, you got to talk trash. Right. Like you can't wait till you win to talk shit. Like that's not talking shit. You got to talk shit before the race. Now, you know, preferably you like to back the shit up. But, Preferably, but. you gotta
1: win something to be able to talk trash. In the U.S. trials, that's not yeah, What are U.S. trials? That's not enough to talk trash, know Yo, Unless you win in something where people from all over the world are competing, I don't want to hear your mouth she, <laughs> she already the time she won the U.S. trials with was so far behind what all the best Jamaican runners' times were. Like to me, I was just wondering if there was some self sabotage, like. We're always going to celebrate a, a U.S. sprinter, but in the yeah. back of her mind, she had to be knowing my best times don't compete with them, not not the top three. So, you know, if they run their worst time and I run my best time, then I'll beat them. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's, what, that's what maybe was running through her head. I just don't get it. Like, let's just be real. The reality is with regard to the weed that she smoked, it is not necessarily banned. It is banned in competition season. Right. And so, for you to be at a race like she said she was and spark up a blunt, that's like basically knowing what you're doing. You know, you're going to get tested. This isn't like a maybe. It's not like sometimes after races, I get randomly selected. No. During a competition, you get tested after the race. So, if you smoke within like 48 hours of the race, you know, you're getting tested. You're going to test positive. Right. I mean, doesn't even seem like she tried to take a masking agent because at least then, you test positive like for too much water in your system and right, it's like, a, right. you know, you know, yeah, at least you could appeal that. Like, nah, yeah. she just smoked the weed and tested positive and then everybody's like, oh, poor Shakari. And it's like, I mean, she kind of knew when she did it that she was done. Like, I didn't really get that. Yeah. Like,
0: I, I think it's a dumb rule, but I, I'm the type of person, if you know the rules beforehand and you willingly break them, I, I can't give you a pass for that. Mm-hmm you know that's just that's just what it is but
1: uh yeah i mean there's a way to challenge a rule and it's not to like smoke just, right before right. the race and then just get mad when you feel like you know that, that's not how you challenge the rule so
0: we're gonna move on to our winners and losers my favorite part uh give, give us your first two winners rob all
1: right my my, my first one is jackson state university uh winner of the Orange Blossom Classic in week one down here in Miami against FAMU seven to six it wasn't the most exciting game you know on the field but of course you know as we know black college football it's all about the party surrounding I uh, saw so Rick Ross was performing outside the little there's a little stadium not stadium but like an outdoor little arena space outside my where I live uh there there was stuff all weekend going on obviously the halftime show was jumping and uh you know Dion had a, um, he had us those guys from the podcast with Barstool Sports. Man, why does this guy's name escape me all of a sudden? Uh, On the sideline at the game, anyway, there was a turnover in the game and a fumble return for a touchdown. One of those clowns ran down the sideline uh, and got a penalty on the play. Got the touchdown called back. It was just, you know, Dion is bringing some excitement to Jackson State and to black college football in general. So they won that game uh, seven to six. Um, And then they followed up the next week um, and played against Eddie Georgia squad, Tennessee State. Um, Gilly the kid is the guy who I'm thinking of. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, They played Tennessee State, beat them 38-13, I believe. Um, And apparently they got really good ratings. Both games, I believe, have been nationally televised in some regard, like on one of the ESPN channels, I think, which is just huge for, for black college sports and this week they go to face ulm uh if they beat ulm who's on a 12 game losing streak they'll be the first black college uh football team historically black college football team um to uh beat uh um a a d1 program i think since 2018 um so so you know that'll be big for for uh HBCU football right now, they're actually ranked, I think, 55th in the recruiting rankings. So they're the highest ranked, um, they're the highest ranked uh, HBCU, and they're ahead of a number of teams with budgets that are like 10 times as large as theirs. Uh, so Jackson State is putting on, Dion is putting on for Jackson State. And I said, well, I said, they, it'd be the first HBCU to beat an FBS team. Yeah, uh, since 2018. And so realistically speaking, they start the season three and oh, and they start landing some recruits. Say they move into like the top 30. I mean, I'm hoping I'm hoping like you could be looking at like a little bit of a shift in the landscape of college football. Yeah. That's that's what I'm hoping. Uh, my second winner, Jameis Winston. Don't need to say much. 14 to 20 five touchdowns, my boy Jay Boo showed up, showed out. Been a lot of naysayers, a lot of haters over the years. I don't need to name them all. A lot of been in my phone, and my boy <laughs> showed up, and when it was time to put up, he played well. Big talk about him in interceptions. Only one potential interception in the game got called back, but I really thought that was a pass interference anyway. It was a deflected ball, might have hit the ground. So his decision-making, you can't question. He was 14-20, and and realistically, three of those incomplete passes were probably drops by Adam Troutman. Um so I thought he just, he played really well. I'm looking forward to see, seeing the growth in the offense as you know, Traquan Smith comes back. Mike Thomas comes back. We just picked up Kenny Stills. Um, and you know, Sean Payton always has stuff off his sleeve. I wouldn't be surprised. Like we, I think we, actually, yeah, we are down in a tight end. Um, I think it's Verrett is his last name. So yeah. he'll be back I think later in the season. But I was gonna say that I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton made a move at uh tight end given how bad Troutman looked just looked like the stage was too big for him to be the number one tight end. Um, So we'll see how that plays out. But Jawan Johnson showed up wide receiver, uh, converted to tight end out of Oregon. Um, So I'm I'm excited to see what the the passing game is going to look like as they get their weapons back.
0: I'll say this. Number two is a good look for a black quarterback in New Orleans. You know, The first time it brought (laughs) us our first playoff victory.
1: uh, I mean, we can't get away from Aaron Brooks. Maybe the second time
0: it'll bring a Super Bowl victory, you
1: know. LSU football and
0: Aaron Brooks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and just to your point about Jackson State, I was watching College Game Day Saturday morning. And they had reporters on site, you know, when on College Game Day they go to the different game sites, they went to Tennessee State they have people interviewing Dion and Eddie George. This is the first time I ever seen an HBCU game highlighted in the middle of the show outside of maybe the Bayou classic a couple years back when, when they went, cause they didn't have any other big games going on. So, uh, Dion is bringing a lot of hype, bringing other, you know, former pros like Eddie George into the league. I, I think it's going to increase the exposure and, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I, I tuned in. It was like three or four o'clock, uh, Jackson you know. State at Tennessee State or ESPN 2.
1: I watched some of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I, and I the, the podcast Barstool Sports is it's million dollars worth of game. What, what Wallow, um, Wallow and Gilly the King is his actual name. i, I always call him Gilly the Kid, but cool. Uh, but it's a funny clip if you find it on YouTube. <laughs> he spiked the ball in the end zone and whole thing got called back. <laughs> and they won seven and six, so he almost cost them the game. That's crazy. Uh, my winners, my first is Emma Emma Radican, I hope I'm First saying. rule. First rule, you can't have a winner if you can't pronounce the name.
0: <laughs> I'm bad with names. I'm bad with names. I think that's her name. I'm not sure. But uh, at just 19 years old, she was the first qualified to win a Grand Slam, also doing so in just the second Grand Slam tournament of her career. She was the first British woman to win a Grand Slam uh, title since Virginia Wade won Wimbledon in 1977 in the first British since 1968 to win the u.s open she came into the tournament ranked 150th in the WTA rankings and she finished at number 23 this young lady uh had never even faced a ranked a top 25 tennis player before this tournament so she showed up she showed out the 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 the, the little uh the, the young woman she beat actually was probably more impressive throughout the tournament uh she was from canada she beat uh, uh, what's uh, our girl name Naomi Osaka? Uh, the Canadian woman beat uh, the, the second seed in the tournament. I forget her name, but this chick, Emma Raducanu, R- R- however you say her name, she was balling, <laughs> she was balling. <laughs> so that's On my first one, 19 years old. It's crazy, it's crazy. We're like never, never qualifying, and like typically, especially like when you talk about men's and women's, men's have more upsets, typically, like the higher seeds of women pretty much dominate all the majors so it's that
1: kind of, it's kind of in most sports you
0: know. yeah exactly uh my second winner that prescott missed most of training camp with arm soreness uh had been questioned about getting a big contract a lot of people were, were, were doubting if he was going to come back uh you know from that that bad ankle injury he had last year and he came up and he showed out 403 yards three touchdowns one int and uh he led the cowboys to a to a a lead late in the game to let them to a field goal drive where they took the, the lead with under two minutes, but they left a little too much time for, for, for Tom. So Tom came back and they beat them. But I, I think it gave a lot of people confidence that that, you know, is, is healthy even with the arm sword he, he's ready to do his thing this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, who you got for your
1: losers? Uh, my first loser the Baltimore Ravens. We kind of talked about this. Well, I guess we didn't. I mean, all the injuries, man. They they had. I think they've lost six starters, eight players total to IR since like August twenty third. Yeah, uh, just kind of ridiculous. Two starting running backs, that's J.K. Dobbins and then Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards, who I had drafted in fantasy. <laughs> it's just just a bad day. Uh, him and Moster going off of my roster. Um, uh, but you throw in there, you know, Miles Boykin, Nick Boyle. Uh I think they lost just today or yesterday. They lost uh uh their starting, I think uh left guard. Um they lost Rashad Bateman. I mean, just just a number of Marcus players. Tyre, Peters. Marcus Peters, Tyree Phillips is the the guard that they just lost. So I just it's tough, man. When you talk about a team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, I just don't know how I see it. You take away J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, then you take away a guard which is gonna impact um uh, uh Lamar jackson's ability to run and then right. you take away your best corner i think you just saw a team go from like a super bowl contender to like a fringe playoff team yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah. they're already in a division where they're going to be fighting with the browns and the steelers and right you know you, you put all of those injuries on the table and now you're talking about a team that might struggle to make the playoffs uh my second loser we talked about it already tennessee titans 38 13 beat down at home uh, but most importantly, giving up six sacks on Taney Hill, and you made this big off splash and signing Julio Jones, and he was a non-mother factor. You know what I'm saying? Like it just to me, like you go do all of that, now all of a sudden you put the burden or the, you know, the it's, it's on Taney Hill's shoulders. You know what I'm right. saying? As, as good as the running game was, you know, as 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 dominant as that's supposed to be when you go sign Julio Jones to go with what you already had in that offense, the expectation is that you're going to be throwing the ball around the yard. And they tried, they threw it 35 times for only 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception with six sacks. And I think this is where a lot of teams get themselves in trouble. Like the the temptation to, to move away from your bread and butter, right. pay the quarterback all of that money. And now all of a sudden you're locked into them. And so you start trying to put more on them. And I don't think he's capable of that. So they're my second loser because I think that, um, they may be in a situation where they pay the quarterback too much and they plateau. And we see this all the time in the NFL where yep. you give that big paycheck away and all of a sudden that quarterback is not capable of carrying that percentage of the team's salary cap on his back right. via his on field performance. And yeah. I think that's that's what they're gonna hit.
0: And it, it made no sense coming with a with a team with a running back with two thousand, you know, two thousand yard rushing. Yeah.
1: I mean, Derrick Henry is superhuman, right? Yeah. Like, and then you go pay all your money to Tannehill Hill and, and trade for Julio Jones on a big deal like it didn't make sense.
0: Nah. Uh, my first loser is Rob's uh, favorite team, Florida State University. I Can't, I, can't
1: I, defend him. I ain't got nothing to say.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed putting that down as my loser. Fire Mike
1: Norvell. That's all I
0: <laughs> Lost the FCS Jacksonville State on the last play of the game, too. I'm not going to even lie. I, I saw it was a close game, and when, you, when I heard they lost – just to watch end to end, they got beat, but I didn't think they got beat on the last play, which was like a, they were like on a 50. They threw like a 30-yard pass,
1: and, and these two knuckleheads in the secondary, I don't know what the hell they would do. Why were they not in the prevent <laughs> defense with six seconds left is one question. Florida State was up 17-7 with like nine minutes left, got the ball to the three-yard line, and went for it on fourth instead of kicking the field goal to go up 20-7. to and and then when they went for it, they threw a fade route, like a low percentage pass. Right, right. I mean, the amount of head scratching, poor coaching decisions Mike Norvell made in that game. Um, you know, I'm ready for him to go.
0: I just I just hope his leash uh I hope his leash is as short as it was for my, my dog.
1: So Willie Taggart, I think, was nine and twelve over 21 games. I think they said that like Norvell would have to win like 75% of his the rest of his games. To even get to nine and twenty-one. I'm sorry, nine and twelve after twenty-one games. Cause last year I think they went like three and six or three and eight right. or whatever they were, like, and so now they're 0 and two. So he's like three and eight. So there's no way he's gonna get to being nine and twelve over twenty-one games. And the reality is what they're gonna say is that they don't have the money to buy out this coach because they're still paying out to buy out the tablet. So
0: and if you can't beat Jacksonville State, there's no such thing as an easy W on your schedule.
1: Yeah, the uh, biggest loser was Brady Scott, one of our offensive linemen, who proposed to his girlfriend <laughs> while Jacksonville State was planting the flag of their school at on top of Chief Osceola at midfield. It was just a disgusting sight to see.
0: Listen, in his defense, it's not like – There is no win.
1: defense. There's no defense.
0: <laughs> Listen. What don't you propose
1: doing? at a game. That's what you do. If your <laughs> team is that garbage, don't propose on the I'll, field of a game.
0: I was going to say because, like, he can't really, you know – Count on any wins at this point, so you know, you might as well just do, do this. shit.
1: It just tells me where your head is at as a football player. If after that <laughs> gut wrenching loss on the final play of the game, you could still walk out there on the field with a ring in your hand and get down on one say, day.
0: bro, listen, the man probably had family members.
1: What, what he you going You could have met him back at the hotel what? and scheduled something on Sunday at a park somewhere.
0: Listen, what Jagged edge said, we ain't getting <laughs> no younger, we might as well do it. He's
1: twenty three <laughs> years old. His ass could have waited two more days.
0: Uh, my second loser is uh, Aaron Rodgers. We we talked enough about that, but just all the ta- all of the shit he put Green Bay through. Having you know, basically, yeah, flying out to, to Mexico to begging to come back. He's complaining about he should have more say so in the decision making and to lay an egg, and, and not only lay an egg, but just to look so disinterested, like. He didn't even bother to, to even show up. It looked like he had practice all summer. So uh he was my second move. Now, we're going to end the podcast on our pick. of You know, we in football season, we like to pick three college, three pros. But uh I didn't even tell Rob this, but I, I want to put a bet, Rob, on on these picks this year. You know, beat but you I want you year. on the spot. I
1: beat you every year. I, I don't all think right, you sure. do, actually. I beat you uh, so, last year. I know that for sure. So
0: I, I know, you know, we're going to put this on wax. That yeah, we bet $100. Whoever, whoever you know, wears the most picks gets, gets the money. So Let's I got you it. got you on air so you can't all back right. out. <laughs> I won last year. Now you want to put money on it. <laughs> uh, first, NCAA uh, college football. We got uh, number one Bama at number 11, Florida. Florida is a 15
1: and a half point underdog at home. As they Ooh, should right. be. I got Bama covering. I mean, Florida, Emory Jones, to me, that's just, you know, a very weak offense. To me, I I watched that Miami-Bama game, and I don't see this one going all that different. You know, Florida's going to probably have better talent and it trenches on the lines. Um, but I think Bama's going to just eventually wear him down. Bryce Jones has looked good so far, so I think this is uh, going to be – I'm not going to say an easy cover, but it'll be a cover by Bama. Yeah,
0: I don't see anybody in, in Bama's class in SEC right now, so I, I'm taking the points to picking Bama. Uh, Georgia Tech at number six, Clemson. Clemson is a 28-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to go with Clemson here. That's a huge – I hate to – especially a conference game, I hate to go with such a large spread – but Clemson is desperation mode. Like they lost to Georgia, there's nobody in the, in the ACC, I believe, that's ranked right now. Maybe West. I think West Virginia might be ranked, right. but but their schedule is super weak, and so at this point, every point, every game, every week matters for them. So I think they go, you know, blow out the Georgia Tech and Boy with
1: Clemson. If there's one thing Dabo is good at, is running up the score on garbage-ass ACC opponents. <laughs> it's what he's going to do this week. It's what he does every week. Drop one or play one close game and then run up the score on everybody else and then cry to the media and make a case about why his team deserves to be in the playoffs. That's what he does.
0: Uh, (laughs) Number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State in Happy Valley. Uh, The Penn State Nittany Lions are six-point favorites. Who you got here, Rob?
1: This is going to be a tough one. I'm going to go with Penn State to win but I don't think they covered a six-point spread gotcha. I, I just I think Penn State you know uh I saw him against Wisconsin wasn't pretty at all yeah um and so uh yeah I'm gonna go with uh Auburn covering that spread Auburn hadn't played anybody yet but they've obviously you know they've done what they're supposed they, to do drop cool 60 everybody right definitely
0: uh I think Penn State has a lot to prove last year they had the worst season in, in Penn State history in football, uh, Franklin, the head coach over there, is trying to you know become elite coach in, in, in that stratosphere. And I think this is Penn State's chance to make a move. They see, they smell blood with Ohio State losing to uh, Oregon, so I think they feel like the Big Ten is up for for grabs. I'm going with Penn State to win in cover. Uh, moving on to the NFL, we got San Francisco at Philadelphia. Philly is a three and a half point. Underdog, uh, at home again. No, no respect for, for Jalen Hurts. Um, uh, I'm taking Philly to uh win outright and uh beat the spring. I think Jalen Hurts is gonna have another big game. San Francisco got a big on Detroit and they they lacked. and uh, Detroit wound up making it a game. They lost 41 33. San Francisco is back to back weeks on the road on the east coast. Uh I think uh Philly pulls off the upset. Who you got?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you there because Philly's defense, who I drafted in fantasy, uh is looking really tough this year. They were tough last year, but you know, when you combine it with an offense with Sanders and Hurts, that's gonna kind of give you some ball control aspects. You got a speed demon over the top. I think that it bodes well for kind of a defensive battle. I think that 49ers are still kind of trying to find their offensive identity. Um with this whole draft of trade pick of Trey Lance, but you still got Garoppolo in there. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. love to run the ball, but you just lost your starting running back. Is Elijah Mitchell really ready to, you know, run it 20 times a game against an elite defense? He I is. don't know that we know yeah. that yet. Um, with the with the passing game that's in a lot of ways average. And you know, like we still talking about an offense that like their target one and two is Debo Samuels and Kittle. You yeah. know, like this, it's not as if they have some, you know, dominant number one. They haven't replaced uh, Emmanuel Sanders from from two years ago when he was a dominant receiver for them. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna agree with you on this one. Actually, uh, I got Philly actually just outright winning this game. KC at Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore is a three and a half point underdog at home. As that. they should be i'm going <laughs> kc here we just detailed all their injuries i think they are in, in flux a, a franchise in flux i mean you come into the season with all these plans and now all of a sudden all these people go down and you know lamar jackson was never a, a passing quarterback as i previously mentioned you take away his one and two running back and his left guard that's the keys to your running game right there and then you take away the number one corner and now you got to see tyree kill travis kelsey and uh my homeboy,
0: nah. This is this is Casey all the way. Yeah, I was gonna say if you if you give up thirty one to the Raiders and David Carr, uh, <laughs> my home's gonna have a feast over there. in Baltimore. Carr
1: threw for over four hundred yards.
0: Yeah, he gonna have my home's gonna go off. Uh, and I don't think Baltimore can score at the clip they'll need to 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 stay competitive with Kansas City. I think the worst thing that can happen to Baltimore is they get down early and it forces you know them to to rely on the pass and then not not be uh a balanced attack. So I, I look for Kansas City to win big. big. Uh, last game, New Orleans at Carolina. Carolina, all the home games, all the home teams in the NFL that we've taken are all underdogs. So Carolina's a three-and-a-half-point uh, underdog at home, coming off a big win against the, the Jets. I mean, a look, the Jets don't – no expectations, but Sam Darnold's first, first start with Carolina – you know, offense got going. Christian McCaffrey looked know, like him himself. No, so.
1: Offense ain't get going. The offense is still the same offense with all them <laughs> three-yard passes that Joe Brady got calling up. I, Man, listen. McCaffrey I, balling. I got to go with the Saints here. I think, you know, Joe Brady and Sean Payton light. You know, the way our defense looked last week, I just hope they don't play down to the competition this week. But Sandy Arnold, just I, I don't think we should have too much problem with him. I don't, I don't respect him as much as I respect the Teddy Bridgewater, on it. to be honest with you. So – um, I don't think we should have a problem with the team. I think the big difference is that well, I think we played him last year. McCaffrey was out. Um, but I think when they have McCaffrey, they rely on him too much anyway. So you can kind of key on him. And that's a, a huge part of their offense. Um, I think the Saints uh, should win this one and be able to cover. Just need my boy Jameis to, you know, come in and play the way he did this past week. I don't think defensively they have anything for it.
0: Listen, they went to Jacksonville, Saints went to Jacksonville. They relocated to Dallas, went to Jacksonville for the home game. They got up for, for Green Bay because nobody ESPN NFL network, they all picked against us. They're back in Dallas. Now they gotta go back to Carolina for a game. Nobody has any expectations of Carolina. I think the Saints win, but I don't think they cover. I think Carolina keeps it close. Uh and the Saints win by field goal late. I'm going with Carolina. Uh that's all we got. Rob anything before we get out of here
1: I got nothing. I'll see y'all next week. The blitz is back, baby. Back, baby.
0: We out. Alright. You never leave, count no money. We ain't never sleep, never sleep. You got V twelve, I got twelve V. Got bottles, got weed, got my I'm all the way. Out. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need me. Shorty, which you want I got what you need? Shorty, what you want, I got what you need. Hey, shorty, what you what you need. I'm
1: all right.